continuing the series established. Pastor Brad will be back here next weekend and he will finish it all up. But it's been this great series to be um, established in our faith. And so we've been talking about that. Today I am going to read to you from Acts chapter 1, verses 4 and 5. We stand for the reading of God's word because we honor it and we respect it. And here's what it says in Acts chapter 1, 4 and 5. On one occasion, while he was eating with them, he gave them this command, do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father has promised, which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days, you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Ooh, you guys, we are talking about it today. We are talking about the Holy Spirit, about God's presence. And we are, uh, the title of my message is Ghosting God. Would you turn to your neighbor and say, ask if they believe in ghosts, but more importantly, do they believe in themselves? Thank you, Ted Lasso, as you sit down. <laughs> hey, I wanna remind you that my title is called uh, Ghosting God. And uh, all the titles were given by the Beaver Creek campus youth pastors. And so this, there we go. <laughs> Molly and Connor who were up here earlier, they're the ones who came up with all of these titles. And so the term ghosting, I don't know if you know what that means. It's in, it has to do with relationships. And so if you're in a relationship with somebody, you're kind of talking to them and all of a sudden like, oh, I'm not, I don't really like the way this is going. I don't, I don't really want to continue this relationship. So you just kind of uh, stop talking to them. You just kind of like ghost them, like, mm, nope. I mean, who would do that? Who has done that? No, 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 don't raise your hands. Don't raise your hands. I don't really want to know. I'll think differently of you. Not really. <laughs> so we are talking today about the Holy Spirit. And we are talking about, uh, I have to give you some background and some more information so you, that you can really know what this is all about. And so in order to understand the Holy Spirit, you have to understand the Trinity. So the Trinity is this concept in the Bible as uh, a concept of God, and it's God the Father, God the Son, who we know is Jesus, and God the Holy Spirit. They're all three, but they're one. They're three different things. They work in different ways, but they're still one. And so I just, because of who I am, I want to take you back to when I was a children's pastor, and I would explain Trinity, and I did it in this really fun way. I think it's fun. You will too after I'm done. But anyway, I put all my eggs in a basket, and I have a hard-boiled egg. I'm hoping this is the hard-boiled one. We'll see. Um, look at this trick. Pastor Brad never does cool things like this, just so you know. But I'm going to explain the Holy Spirit right here. So I'm going to take this egg, and I'm going to cut it right down the middle. Ta-da. And look. I have an egg, it is just an egg, but it has this outer shell, it has this white, and it has this yolk. Three different parts of the egg, they all function differently. They're the same, but yet they're different. That's kind of like what the Trinity is like when we talk about that. And so next time you have a hard-boiled egg, just say, thank you, Jesus, because now you'll be reminded always of what that is. But Today, in order for you to understand and for order us to talk about the Holy Spirit, we have to start way back in the beginning. So there's a whole lot of information I got to give you, but it's so cool because it's from the Bible. You're going to love it. But just buckle up because we got a long way to go before, um, before we get where we're going. 
So in the very beginning, in Genesis, the very first book of the Bible, which is part of the Old Testament, it's divided into two. In Genesis 1, verse 1, it says this. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Now the earth was formless and empty. Darkness was over the surface of the deep. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. So in the very, very beginning, God created everything. He created this incredible place. And he created where everything lived in harmony. He created man and woman. He created animals, the plants. Everything just lived in this harmonious state. And the Spirit was hovering over there. So again, kind of separate but the same. We're all a part of creation. And God created this incredible place that we'd all work together. But then a choice was made, and sin entered into the world. And then everything shifted. Everything changed. The people now had to work the land. The relationship between animals and people changed. The relationship between God and people changed. And so the Old Testament tells the story of God and how, how the world began to populate and how God's relationship with people began to establish and began to change. And there was this shift in the relationship from where it was created and what it was intended to be to where it happens throughout all of the pages. And God loved them tremendously, continued to love them. And he would tell them that they would love him and they would continue to turn their backs on God. And they would continue to walk away and then they'd get revitalized when they would see God move and they'd be like, oh, this is great. But then they would turn their backs on him and the relationship grew distant. It became further and further. People became further away from God and began to know less about God. Kind of like in a family. Have you ever uh, known a family where like the grandparents or the great-grandparents were like people who went to church all the time. They memorized scripture at dinner and they, they would go um, Sunday mornings and Sunday nights. They would go on Wednesday nights. They would have these things called revival. They would go to church for two weeks straight. And then as their kids grew, they started to go a little bit less to church. They didn't go to all the revivals. They went down to one week. We didn't go on Wednesdays anymore. And as their children grew, we started coming a little bit less. And it wasn't, it wasn't as strict. The relationship wasn't as strict with what we had to memorize and how we had to go. And by the time their children were going, then the world was very different. And there are practices on the weekend and there are competitions and there are all kinds of things. And we know God loves us, but the relationship is different. It's a little more distant. Well, that was what the Old Testament was like. And so by the time we get to the end of the Old Testament, people had kind of lost sight of who God was. And God spoke to the people, but he spoke to them through prophets. Prophets would have visions and dreams, and they would tell the people what God said. And it would remind them of their love, but it was still very distant. So God said, we got to do something different. So God sent his son Jesus into the world. He became God with skin on. It became this middle part right here. So Jesus comes into the world and Jesus becomes God with skin on and Jesus steps into this place and he loves everybody. And he's like, no, 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 you're a part of this. Come on, you're accepted. And people are like, what is this kind of love? And they, he just shares God's story and who God was and how he created them. And again, and he reminds them of this. And it's a little odd because they had not seen this kind of love before. 
And Jesus was this incredible person that walked around and talked. And he, he grew up knowing all of the things because he's God too. He knew all those things, but he's in human form. And people began to follow him. And so any of the good teachers in that day, people would follow them. They would become disciples. And they would follow after Jesus. And they would listen to him. And Jesus taught them like, like what God had intended all along, that there could be harmony, that there could be this place from the very beginning where people could live together, where we could get along, where we could recognize each other as brothers and sisters and not as enemies. And so more and more people taught with him. But here's what happens. Here's where it's going to start to get good. <clears throat> what happens is the first four books in the New Testament are called the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. They tell all the story of Jesus. All four of them tell the story of like when he was born, what happened, how he grew, how the people followed him, disciples, how this movement of God changed. You see, anytime someone encountered Jesus, they were different. Anytime someone in these pages would come and meet Jesus, they were different because Jesus would heal them when they were sick. Jesus would, would forgive them of their sins. Do you know that still happens today? When you encounter Jesus, your life is different. I've known people. In fact, I was talking to one of our Hope Team members today, this morning when we were talking. She was like, hey, you know that's me, right? And I said, I do know that's you. She goes, I encountered Jesus and my life is different. This year is so different than last year. And I said, and next year is going to be even more different. She's like, I know, I can't wait. When you encounter Jesus, your life is different. But let me tell you what happens to Jesus. In the book of John, he reminds us um, what God has said was going to happen. And so in the book of John, John the Baptist uh, was the one who was baptized. Different John. That was a little confusing. John the Baptist was sent here to baptize people with water to prepare the way for Jesus. And so John the disciple is writing about John the Baptist. And this is what he says. Then John gave this testimony. I saw the Spirit come down from heaven as a dove and remain on him. I myself did not know him, but the one who sent me to baptize with water told me, this man on whom you see the Spirit come down and remain is the one who will baptize with the Holy Spirit. I have seen and I testify that this is God's chosen one. So what happens is right before Jesus begins his ministry, before he begins to tell everybody all the things about God, is he goes to John the Baptist to be baptized. And John the Baptist has known from God that Jesus was coming. And so when he baptized him, this dove comes down and it's the Holy Spirit. So now at this moment, we have all three, God the Father, God the Son, and now God the Holy Spirit comes inside of Jesus. And at this moment, Jesus begins his ministry. And so he begins to go out and he tells everybody about this new way to live, about what God had intended all along. And people follow him wherever he is. And people want to hear these stories because this is different than they had ever heard before because they had been so distant from God. And now God was right there with them. And they're like, what? Have you ever known somebody who's different? Like not the weird different where you go, mm, no, not going to be, mm, going to walk away from that one. But the like good different where somebody's different and you're like, ooh, what is that about you? I had a friend one time when I was younger and she, uh, she was different. When I first met her, I'm like, ooh, 
what is this about you? She spoke with wisdom. She was always calm when it was like crazy around. She had this sense of peace that when things would get hectic, she's like, it'll be okay. And she would trust and she would say, no, that'll work out. And she was just, I was like, oh, I want what she has. But I couldn't figure out what she had. And so I'd follow her around. I'd be like, hey. You know how in high school when the really cool kids walk around? I'm like, oh, you guys, obviously. And then the dorky ones, me, try to follow along and go, oh, I want to fit in. I think I can. And they would just, I would watch and I would see what she was doing. And of course, you know when she would run into me? She would run into me when I'm having a fit over something and spewing things that I shouldn't spew or my kids are a hot mess and they're tiny and I'm losing my mind and she'd walk by and I'd be like pull it off like I was cool and I wasn't and I couldn't figure out how she could keep it all together and I couldn't and I bet the disciples felt that way around Jesus because here Jesus was coming in and sharing all these things and Jesus would do these things miracles you know, miracles, miracles are the things that cannot be humanly explained. And Jesus would come in and do these miracles, and the disciples would see people that they had known all their lives who were blind. Jesus would touch them, and they would see it. I'm sure they were like, cool. Wow, I can't believe that Jesus did what they did. Like, they're, they're the ones that are going, yeah, I'm with him. Uh-huh. Yeah, he's with us. Because the Bible tells us that in different ways in those four, four books and those gospels that uh, the disciples would also try to perform miracles and they couldn't always and go, um, Jesus, you're going to need to come in and take over for us. And so they were, really, they were really trying all the time, but they didn't always get it. But miracles are weird. Anybody know that? Have you ever like, experienced? I've had the privilege in my life to experience some miracles. And it's just weird. I just have to say that. There were several years ago, um, I was leading a team to Africa. Um, we were going to the orphanage where Ashley, she spoke last week. Uh, she, had a, she had a ministry over there and still does. And um, we led a team over there to Africa. And what we did when we gathered as a team, that we would go to the local hospital and we would pray with the different families. And um, you can't think hospital like you know hospital here. It's like third world country hospital. So we would go into these places and we would pray for families and we'd walk through. And then there was one uh, place that we went into and it was a room. And this mom was there with her daughter kind of by herself. The daughter was about four or five years old. And she had been in a coma for five days. And so we gathered around her and we began to pray. And one of the person on our team began to pray so fervently. And she was like, God, you have got to heal this child. And she prayed. And there was a language barrier because uh, we had an interpreter. They speak French and different local languages. And so we just prayed and we prayed and we continued. We said she thanked us and we moved on. And we would go to different rooms and we continued down to different rooms. And um, then we were kind of finishing up, and we were circling back. And as we were coming back, somebody noticed, they're like, hey, that girl is sitting up. We are like, what? She was sitting up. This girl was awake and sitting up. This child was not in a coma. Can we celebrate that for a hot minute? She was not in a coma. And I got to tell you, like, we all were like, wait, What? Somebody on our team finally said, well, that's a miracle of God. And we're like, yes. But I'm going, maybe, maybe she was kind of already halfway awake. Maybe she was like, 
Maybe she wasn't real. Maybe they don't know medicine like we know maybe that maybe it wasn't. And it is a weird thing to wrap your head around a miracle and to truly see where God has worked. And so it was this thing that, that I understand when the disciples are like, kind of that's kind of okay and walk away and go did are they still awake is it still good and of course it was and so Jesus continued to do these things and continue to say hey you can do this too and he would tell the disciples stories parables they're written in these first four books of the Bible and there's these incredible parables in there and he would tell them to this large crowd and the people would um, would listen and the disciples would go yeah and then they turn around and go, did you think that meant that? Did you think it meant that? They talk to each other and go, what do you think it meant? I don't know. I don't know. And they would, I would, they would try to be really cool about it, but like they didn't have the full understanding. I know that. How many of you have read the Bible and gone, what the heck did that just say? This week I read the Bible. I love when God does this. But this week when I read the Bible, there's a story in Matthew where they're, where they're asking Jesus about, uh, about taxes. And like, Jesus, we have to pay taxes, right? Because they're asking us, you do, right? And Jesus says, tells his disciples to go down to the lake to catch a fish. When you get the fish, open its mouth, and there's going to be a coin in it. Use it to pay the taxes. And they did, and it was in there. Like, is that not the strangest thing? I'm like, cool. <laughs> so next time I go fishing, I'm looking for a coin. I already paid my taxes, so it'll probably be fine. But there are these things in there that they had limited understanding to. They were experiencing it and they were knowing it, but there was this little bit of like, huh, what are we going to do with this? And this is really cool. I love to see this. But here's what happens in the story of the New Testament. And it's all about Jesus. Jesus knows that there's so much more. Jesus knows that he has to leave, but something else is going to happen for them. And so he begins to prepare his disciples and the ones who are following after him. And he's like, hey, I'm not always going to be here with you. And he tells them this passage in John. And um, in John, John 14. And he begins to tell them what's going to happen next. And so here's what happens. Jesus says in John 14, 15, if you love me, keep my commands. And I will ask the Father, and he will give you an advocate to help you and to be with you forever. The spirit of truth, the world cannot accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him. But you will know him, for he lives with you and will be with you in you. And I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you before long. The world will not see me anymore, but you will see me because I live. You also will live. On that day, you will realize that I am in my Father, and that you are in me, and I am in you. Whoever has my commands and keeps them is the one who loves me. The one who loves me will be loved by the Father, and I too will love them, and I will show myself to them. Clear, right? Perfect. <laughs> Jesus says, listen, listen, I am going to have to go, but... I'm going to be in you as the Father is in me, and we are going to make my, our house in you. And it's going to be this thing, and we're going to be together. So you're not going to be alone. And they're like, mm-hmm. Anybody ever have to read instructions more than one time? Just me? Anybody have to watch a YouTube after you read the instructions and go, show me exactly? 
So Jesus is telling them exactly what's going to happen. So in 22, then Judas said, but Lord, why do you intend to show yourself to us and not to the world? And Jesus replied, anyone who loves me will obey my teaching. My father will love them and we will come to them and make our home with them. Anyone who does not love me will not obey my teachings. These words you hear are not my own. They belong to the father who sent me. All of this I have spoken while still with you, but the advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach all things and remind you of everything that I have said to you. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give you. I do not give you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. Here's the incredible thing. Here's what happens uh, to Jesus. He knows that he cannot be here. He knows he cannot stay. He has continued to teach. He's trained. He's brought these disciples. So many people followed Jesus, and they learned how God loved them, and they learned what God wanted them to do, and they learned how to live a different way, and they began to live that out, and they began to grow and see Jesus had this incredible movement because anybody who encounters Jesus is never the same again. And so these people who encountered Jesus began to, to encounter other people and to begin to say, hey, have you met Jesus? He's this incredible man. You would love him. He will change your life. And so more and more people but began to follow and began to come after Jesus. But Jesus knew that he was limited. You see, he was human. And he knew that in his human form, he could not reach everyone. He could not be everywhere. So he knew that he had to leave so that the Holy Spirit could come, so that the work could continue, so that it could continue to grow, so that all that Jesus taught would be lived out in the lives of the people, and it would continue to grow and grow and move. And then we would be able to show people how to encounter Jesus. And so he's preparing his disciples for what is to come. Can you, I cannot wait. Listen, that was my introduction. We got to preach now because this is where it's going to get good, you guys. This is where it's really going to get good. So here's what's happened is um, Jesus died and rose again the third day, spent about 40 days on the earth with his disciples saying, hey, you guys get ready. It's coming. This is what I've been telling you about. And they're like, and so he said, get ready, it's all going to happen. And he tells them to go to Pentecost. He said, when you go to Pentecost, there's going to be a room upstairs I want you guys to gather in. So Pentecost is this festival that they would have. And think about festivals like we have festivals. Ironton has this parade that has gone on for like 172 years continuously. And everybody comes from all over for that parade. We here in Beaver Creek have the popcorn festival where we all, everybody comes from all over and it's crowded. We have festival season here. You know, when everybody comes from all over, wherever you are, you have a festival, you understand it. So Jesus has told his 12, his disciples, hey, go get ready at Pentecost. Go to this room upstairs and wait because this is what's going to happen. God's going to send you what he has promised. And so they get to this festival, and then there are other disciples there, and they're like, hey, have you guys seen Jesus? No, have you seen Jesus? Yep, he went up, he told us to go, we're going to this room. So they all kind of gather in this upper room, and they come together in this place. And so now we're going to go out of those first four books of the Bible, which are the uh, Gospels that tell about Jesus, and the whole rest of the New Testament tells about the Holy Spirit, and this is where it starts. So in Acts chapter 2, this is what happens. 
When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. Suddenly, a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were, where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be like tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Holy Spirit enabled them. You guys, listen, could you hear the power of that? Listen, sometimes God will speak to you in a quiet whisper, but not this time. God was blowing their socks off. He said, you guys get here. I don't want you to miss this. So they're all there and these tongues of fire come down on their heads. It must have been incredible to see. I don't even know what that looks like. What does a tongue of fire look like? I, like, I think Rolling Stones poster, but that's not it. It was something more, but they all knew. And then they all began to speak because so many people were gathered there from all the places. God wanted everyone to understand so that no one would miss it, that the power of the Holy Spirit was now going to be in them. That was not to be missed. This mighty rushing wind comes in. It blows, and then the whole Spirit comes on each of them and they all received the Holy Spirit that day. Oh, can you believe it? I wish I was there. Do you know what the beauty is? I don't have to be because the spirit that was in them is the spirit that is in with me. That same spirit that God gave them, see, that's what allowed them to continue the work of Jesus. That's why we're here today in 2023 in this church hearing about this because the work of the Holy Spirit continues. It moves the message forward. It reminds people of who God is and how he loves them and how he created them and how he wants more for them. And so this power message of the Holy Spirit came in this really bizarre way. The Bible is so cool, you guys. It says so many things. But do you remember what it said back in John? Do you remember that last line that he said? But the advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and remind you of everything that I have said to you. My peace I leave with you. I give you I do not give you what the world gives and do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. Do you recognize what happened there? He said, he told them ahead of time, he goes, hey, when the Holy Spirit comes, it's going to be different. You're going to understand everything. All those things that I taught you, you're going to know them now. You're going to be able to have that understanding and then you're going to be able to teach. And so all those things that they would scratch their head about, they now have understanding they all have that understanding, and they all now know, and they can spread that message of God again and again. But you know what the powerful thing is? Is that the spirit that was in them is the spirit that is in us. It's that same spirit. And he said, my peace, I leave you. My peace that I give you, I'm giving it to you, not as the world gives, but I give. There's a story in the Bible. There's a story in one of those four gospels that uh, is talking about the disciples and they're on this boat and they're on this boat with Jesus and Jesus is down in the bottom sleeping and uh, the storm comes up and they're going across and the storm is getting really big and mighty and powerful and they're starting to panic because the storm is big and Jesus is sleeping and they really think they're going to die. And they're like, ah, we're just going to die. What are we going to do? You wake him up. No, you wake him up. Why is he sleeping? I don't know. And so they panic enough to where they go and wake up Jesus. Y'all, I get so excited. I talk so fast. I can't help it. So they go and wake up Jesus. And Jesus gets up. 
And he says, peace be still. And he calms the sea. And he calms the waves. And everything goes back to calm. That peace that Jesus had is the peace that lives in me. The peace that Jesus had to calm everything in that chaos, I have that same peace. I have that peace. You have that peace in you. But you know what happens to me? Is I forget that I have it. I don't, I don't recognize that I have that peace. I don't call on that peace. I live in chaos. I live in the storm because I forget that, oh, I have that peace. I have that power in me. I can call on that. And I don't have to be afraid. I don't have to worry about those things. I can call on that peace. But see, I forget about it. Do you remember my friend that I talked about earlier that always was so great? The other part of that story is that she could pray like nobody I knew. She could pray, and she would pray things that I never thought you could pray for. And she would, she would in a moment, if something was happening, she's like, we're going to pray about that right now. And I'm like, here? We're going to pray here? She would say, yeah. And she would be able to, she said, we're just going to talk to God about that. And then I, I spent more time with her, and I, and I watched her, and she taught me things, and I realized she understood the power of God in her. She understood that the Spirit lived in her and that she could call on that Spirit at any time. That's what I wanted. I wanted to be able to live in that Spirit. I wanted to be able to call on God and to know that I could step in to the power that is in the Holy Spirit because it is in me. You see, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit lives in me. And I have access to Him. And you have access to Him. So what does that look like for us today? I can read these stories of the Bible, and I can read how they figured it out and how they learned it and how they stepped into it. And I'm like, yeah, I don't know what that means for me. Do you know what that means for us? It means that the Holy Spirit talks to us. There is these nudges that come into our heart. You know them. Someone was nudged to invite you to church today. Or something in your heart nudged you to get up and to come to church today. That, that was a nudge of the Holy Spirit. You've been in those situations before, whether it's a coworker or a friend, or you're in this, always in this really awkward, odd place, like the grocery store or a hallway in school or a workplace, and your friend is telling you about terrible things in their lives, and you get this nudge to pray for them right then, and you're like, God, here? See, that's the Holy Spirit speaking to you. That's the Holy Spirit telling you. Or you've been in that place where you're like, oh, I could lie real easy and get out of this. But you get that nudge that says, you know, it's better to tell the truth. That's the Holy Spirit speaking to you. You've been in those situations where you've been like, I don't know what to do. This isn't going to be anything. And there's something that says just pray. And you're like, it's beyond prayer. That nudge that you felt, that voice that you heard to do something was the voice of the Holy Spirit. The God of the universe is speaking to you. See what happens though, here's, here's the difficult part of this. If you have heard those 
speakings and you have ignored them for too long, then they get quieter. If you have heard those and you continually turn them away, then it gets quieter and harder to hear because your heart gets a little hard to it. You're like, nope, it's not talking to me. Or you read scripture and you go, I don't understand any of this. Nope, doesn't make sense to me at all. But here's the beauty of it. James 5 tells us that we have not because we ask not. And we don't ask for this, the wisdom of the Holy Spirit. We don't ask for the peace of the Holy Spirit. We don't ask for the presence of the Holy Spirit because we forget about it. So I don't want you to forget about it. I want you to listen to those nudges. I want you to step into God speaking to you. I want you to begin to listen to what God is saying to you because he's calling you to a better life. He's calling you to a bigger life. He's calling you to more than what you have right now. He's calling you to peace in the midst of a storm. You don't have to live in chaos. You don't have to live in that storm. You can call on the peace. You can have what she has. You can know that the power of God lives in you. When you invite Jesus to live in your heart, then he immediately forgives your sins and he sends the Holy Spirit. It'd be really cool if you did that whole fire thing so we'd know, we're like, oh, got it. Yep, I'm in. <laughs> But he doesn't, but he warms your heart and he sends you those messages and you begin to listen. And the more you listen, the more you hear. The more you listen to that thing inside of you that nudges you to go the right way, that nudges you to step in the right direction, then the more that you will hear it and the more that you will step into it and the more that you will have peace and calm, the more that you will stay strong when everything around falls because you will be able to listen to the power of the Holy Spirit. And what is the power of the Holy Spirit? The power of the Holy Spirit allows you to sit by the bedside of a very sick loved one. The power of the Holy Spirit allows you to wake up and keep moving when grief is so overwhelming that you can't do anything else. The power of the Holy Spirit allows you to stay clean one more day. The power of the Holy Spirit allows you to go and ask for forgiveness when the argument wasn't your fault. The power of the Holy Spirit allows you to pray in public for someone who needs it. The power of the Holy Spirit allows you to have peace in the midst of a chaotic life. The power of the Holy Spirit allows you to love the people you are surrounded by. <clears throat> the power of the Holy Spirit allows you to accept people who believe differently than you do. The power of the Holy Spirit allows you to wake up and to see a sunrise and to say, oh God, that is your glory displayed and I honor you. The power of the Holy Spirit allows you to take the next right step. The power of the Holy Spirit allows you to proclaim your love of God in a place that seems 
has no love. The power of the Holy Spirit allows you to have a kingdom mindset in a world that doesn't know that there's somewhere beyond this. The power of the Holy Spirit will give you peace when the climate seems out of control. The power's yours. It's not reserved just for me or for my friend that I saw a long time ago. The power belongs to you. The power is given to you and it's yours to use. Oh, I can only tell you how great it is. See, the whole rest of the New Testament talks all about how the power lived out in their lives. When we share our stories, it's the power of the Holy Spirit in our lives because God is doing incredible things and I want you to be there for it. Will you stand with me? Man, I want this week for you to experience the power of the Holy Spirit. I want you to listen to that nudge. And when you hear it, I want you to say yes. It takes the first yes for you to, for you to feel that confirmation and that power and to say, okay, 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 I can't do it. And you do it. And you're like, yes, God. And you hear it again. Because I'm telling you what, it's not a one and done. It's not a one time that God speaks to you. He is forever with you. The peace that God experienced is yours to hold on to. The power of the Holy Spirit is yours, and you can do all things through Christ who strengthens you. Why do you think that's in there? Because he has the strength for you to do all of those, because he has waiting for you to call on him and to say, okay, I'm going to need help with this one. Show me how to do it. And that's what God's going to do. So I want you more than anything else to be aware of the Spirit speaking to you this week, to be open to it and to be able to listen and to walk forward. Will you pray with me? Oh God, what an incredible day. God, you have reminded us that you love us so much. So fact, you love us so much that you didn't want us to ever be alone. You didn't want us ever to know life without you. So you offer to dwell in us, to be in us, to listen to us, to love us, to know that forever, God, we are loved by you and that we can do anything and that, God, we can call on your name in any situation and you are there. And God, you give us that strength. You give us that power. You give us that courage. So God, I pray that you pour on us in a mighty, mighty way. Help us to experience, God, all that you are and who you are. And may we see you so real this week, God, that it blows our socks off in this mighty way, God. We ask this in your name. Amen.